This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back. Welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, November 14th, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited to walk you through this market. A very interesting day in markets, and it's perfect time for our main focus point, which I'll get to in a minute, basically saying it's hard to time markets. And it's usually a futile effort. And this is a great, there's a lot of data behind this, and we're going to dig into that data. Uh, but that's just one part of today's progress that we are going to work with you on. And that is to move you in the direction of a more sustainable, more successful financial future. One that is steeped in data and reality, not emotions. And one that gives you a plan and a framework and a mindset to make good, consistent decisions with your money. And so I'm going to give you some useful data. I'm going to give you, most importantly, an unbiased perspective. Developed over 20 plus years of investment experience. So we're going to run down today's market performance, which was obviously fantastic. We're going to run down some show topics, but right after our answer, we answer our first question now. Luis here from Raleigh, North Carolina. Long time listener, first time caller. Reason for my call is I'd like to get your take on Joby Aviation, ticker symbol J-O-B as in boy, Y. There's not a whole lot of information out there that I can gather. So I'd like to see if you could take a look at it and tell me what you think. I'll listen to your response on the air. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. This is Joby, Joby, J-O-B-Y. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Joby Aviation. It's a transportation company developing an all-electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, which it intends to operate as part of a fast, quiet, and convenient air taxi service. I cannot imagine a worse investment than this. Uh, Let me take that back. This is second to the space endeavors, right? At least this touches the ground eventually at some point, right? It's not truly a pie-in-the-sky endeavor, but in some ways, most of the time, it is. Uh, This is a company that loses money. It's never had revenue. It's a story stock to the nth degree, and all it's going to do is burn capital, which it continually does, and it's going to issue more shares and dilute you the shareholder. So my first advice here is wherever you got this idea, look completely opposite of wherever this idea came from because this is the exact opposite of a good investment. This is probably one of the best shorts that I could imagine in the market. I'm not saying you go short it today, but these are the type of businesses. These are the Ponzi-type stocks that are no longer viable in an era of high cost of capital or cost of capital that is something now. 
right? So you're not going to consistently be able to do issue shares and sell to the public this dream of some magical utopia where there's electric taxis in the sky ushering us around. Maybe one day we'll get there, but I guarantee it's decades and decades from now. And between now and then, we'll just be infinitely, uh, infinite, infinite amount of capital and money burned. So run far away from this name unless you're thinking about maybe shorting it, if it's possible even to short, because I imagine it's probably hard to borrow. Uh, but yeah, this is the antithesis of a good investment. Okay. All right. A lot of ground to cover in the next 40 minutes. And time permitting, we're going to touch on all of this. And our main focus point looks at the story behind this headline. Proof that staying invested is more effective than timing the market. We look at a buy and hold approach and then looking at a value-driven market timing strategy. And I love this look because it really hits on what it takes to have investment success. Looking at a buy and hold strategy versus the in and out. Kind of, oh, I think the market's overvalued or I'm pessimistic about the economy or all the thing, all the, the mental hoops that people jump through to try to avoid staying invested. And then we're going to look at those stock market historical returns that you're getting. Now, they're only looking over the last 21 years, so there is some there's some caveats to this. But I really want to dig into the data because it does speak to a lot of the problems the average investor has when it comes to investing and trying to time the market. Okay. So also going to look at earnings. We are about, what are we? 80%. I had it here, about 80% through the earnings season and earnings estimates going forward for next year are down much higher than average over this earnings season. But, it's because of two names, Pfizer and Merck, account for half of the reduction in fourth quarter earnings estimates between the beginning of October and today. So we're going to look at that story. Also, IBM is changing up its 401k plan in a very interesting way. So we're going to touch on that. And then lastly, what's do the countries that have escaped a lot of the inflation damage, what has been different about their economy and their response to COVID that will speak to maybe where we're headed and how future problems can be addressed in a different way than stoking inflation. So we're going to look at that. We're also going to touch on some voice bank questions. One is in regards to tractor supply, TSCO, and cash balance plans. And I'll try to fit in, in an iTunes review question as well. But let's take a look at the market today, and it was a decidedly positive day. This is <clears throat> this is the type of reaction that happens when sentiment is bad. You get mildly positive inflation numbers, and the market exploded, right? Small caps up nearly 5% today. 
going from down on the year to now up on the year. Large caps are only up 2%. Just showed you the sentiment, especially on those small cap names, that was so negative, overly negative. And you get this explosion to the upside. And that's why it's difficult to time the market. I've, I've seen lately, just talking to clients, talking to listeners, sentiment's really bad. A lot of people are out of the market. People were very negative, even though this was a natural, very run-of-the-mill, controlled pullback. If you have any experience in the markets, you'll see, just by simply looking at a chart, that the pullback from the July highs, nothing to worry about. Absolutely nothing. It was very controlled. Credit spreads weren't widening out. The dollar wasn't even really breaking out. Yet people were getting so overly bearish. And it was during a time that was seasonally negative. Right? August, September, October, pretty much the three worst months of the year, seasonally. So to get a pullback during those times, as we went into August, basically in an overbought condition, was not a shock. Yet so many people were negative. Simply based on a pullback in the market. Go back to my videos. The last, go to a YouTube channel. Go to our YouTube channel. Look at, I do a video every weekend. Go over the market charts. And I, I kept saying, you know, this is control. This is, there's nothing raising a red flag here. And then you head into, as we get closer into the holiday season, and you probably get a float up, a rally into year end. Because equities are still generally up for the year. Not a lot, but they're up. So this was a day where yields fell dramatically. You have the 10-year that was down to under 4.5%, 4.44%, down 19 basis points today. The dollar has rolled over. It talked about how the dollar rolling over, that'll be positive for risk assets. And it wasn't really breaking out in the month of October and into November. So I think this is the start of a very positive year end. All right, we're heading to a break. I welcome your finance and investment questions now. No question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda. Give InvestStock a call at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein talks about the KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. I want to remind you that this is a time where you probably need some guidance and you're tuning in to try to get our view of the markets. And we only have an hour here and, and sometimes... The way I distill each day can be maybe not enough, maybe not enough time. And so our premium newsletter is a great tool for especially newer investors trying to learn some things. The KPP Financial Premium Newsletter comes to your mailbox every Saturday. Learn how to analyze the market, learn what the economic numbers mean, learn how to manage a portfolio, maybe get an idea of what are good companies to be at least looking at. Maybe you don't buy it today, but you should always have a watch list of companies that 
hey, these are interesting. These have good businesses. And if they get the right price, maybe I should buy them. So our newsletter is a great tool for that. Subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steve. I have two stocks, Tractor Supply and AGCO. I've taken about a 15-20% loss on each of those this year so far. Since it's November, I'm considering possibly dumping them and taking the tax loss, or should I just hang on to them and wait for a year or two, however long, until they come back and I can recapture my loss? If I get this money, I'm considering putting all of it in that SDOG, if you feel it's a good fund. Would this be a good idea, or maybe not? I'm wondering if I put money in an ETF fund or any other index fund, can you double the amount instead of putting a 4 or 5% like you do in stocks? Can you double it in a fund since you're diversifying it among maybe 100 or more stocks and you're safer that way? Is that a good way to invest? Thank you so much for listening to all this. I really appreciate your help. Look forward to hearing it in the podcast. Well, I think we got this call on SDOG last week, and I wasn't a huge fan of the way it worked uh, and, and the cost. So I definitely wouldn't be putting it in there. Now, tractor supply and... AGCO. These are both in the agriculture space, pretty much. Right, Tractor Supply is the largest operative retail farm and ranch stores in the United States. The secular grower and a very good company with good profitability. So it's a retailer with a good balance sheet, pretty much no debt on its balance sheet like that. So I see no reason to sell it just because this is a good example of that negative sentiment, oh, it's down, small caps are down, and so people are thinking of dumping it for, for tax loss selling. Um, but there's nothing that's screaming sell this name. It's a very good growth company. Not a huge growth company, but you know, growing 10, 15, 20% per year. Growth has been slowing lately, but that's kind of a natural uh, return to post-COVID or pre-COVID type economic uh, trends. And so I see no reason uh, to sell tractor supply and AGCO. This is in, it sells ag, it sells tractors, self-propelled sprayers, uh, equipment for the ag space. And it's also pulled back because it's a small cap name, $8.7 billion market cap, but also is a very good business with very little debt. Trading achieve multiple. I see zero reason to sell these names and especially not to buy SDOG. And you're right. You're going to do much better uh, owning these good businesses as opposed to this conglomerate of uh, – uh, not conglomerate, but this mix of uh, positions. Uh, let's see, 50 different positions. Some are good. Some are not so good. And a lot of them have big debt burdens where these two do not. And so I would absolutely hold Trap Spy and AGCO over SDOG. All right, it's a fast-moving Tuesday, and we know the market is now shifting. Talked about that just now. And you must have finance and investment questions that you need answered. So you set the agenda each hour. So give us a call now at 888-99-CHART.
The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's go talk to Sid. He's in North Carolina and wants to talk about Intel and InMode. Hi, Justin. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call and thanks for all the wonderful guidance. No problem. Yeah, I do have. I I don't want you to do the detailed comparisons because I know it's not easy for you with the one screen or something. But mm-hmm. I have both of these in my portfolio and somewhere five to ten percent of loss because of the last two three months they've been down. And I'm thinking if they both are good value stock, should I hold them for a long term or should I add something in one of them? If you were in my positions, what would you do or <coughs> Uh, is, is there something else I should do? Thank you so much. Well, Intel, uh, we have recently uh, picked more of this up uh, for clients, uh, so we like it. Uh, we think that they're 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 making a lot of progress towards keeping catching back up with uh, their competitors, uh, Nvidia, AMD. And they no longer have this CFO. I've said having a CFO in charge, an ex-CFO in charge, becoming the CEO, is typically a bad, bad move for any business. They look through the lens only of the finances, uh, and they don't innovate, especially a tech company, right? Tech companies can be out-innovated very easily. And Intel, frankly, did. It was out-innovated. But they, have a, they still have a lot of great IP and good balance sheet and... The technicals are, are great on this, right? It's, it's been recovering nicely basically since the bottom earlier this year, around $25 a share. Now we're at 39 and change. So this one I would absolutely keep. Now the other one in mode, I would not. Um, this is a maker for everyone else. Everyone kind of knows what Intel does. But in mode makes minimally and non-invasive surgical, aesthetic, and medical treatment solutions in the United States. And I have a... I have a unique insight into this because my fiance is actually one of the best dermatologists in the country and uses a lot of competing devices to in mode. And she uses the better ones. She basically says every one of in mode's products are second or third rate compared to their competitors. Now, they had a big boom. Why? Because Kim Kardashian posted that she used Morpheus 8, which. According to her, once again, she's one of the most highly trained dermatologists in the country, is not very good. And there are a lot better alternatives. And so this is why the stock boomed in 2021. A lot of people had money. We're seeing Kim Kardashian get Morpheus aid. And guess what? All of their salesmen pounced on that and were able to sell a ton of devices. And this peaked out at $97 per share. But now we are down to $21 per share. Now the balance sheet is fine, but business continues to struggle. And in fact, their latest earnings report, they downgraded guidance. And so that's why the company continues to decline. Now I would say it's still cheap, but I don't like the trajectory of the business or the products. So sell in mode, keep in sell. 
All right, our focus point sets up the story behind this headline. Proof that staying invested is more effective than timing the market. And today is a perfect example. This is the great timing. Talk about timing. We timed this this topic beforehand. We we knew we were going to do this yesterday. I think late last week we picked this topic for today's show. But it just happened to be a day where the market surged. And that's usually what happens is markets down and everything looks kind of dire. And then all of a sudden a news event comes out and it sparks the market higher. And everyone that was underinvested or short, they start to cover, they try to pile back in and you miss big moves in the market. And this is why some of the most successful investors ever from Benjamin Grant to Warren Buffett to Peter Lynch say you should stay invested. And this is a great story. It's done by Morningstar. And they took two approaches. They only looked the last 21 years, which is, you know, a, a pretty atypical 21 years if you think about where interest rates were. But what they do is they look at the steady equity approach, just investing in the Morningstar U.S. market index versus what do they call valuation aware. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Morningstar, it's an independent uh, data company, uh, independent analyst you can subscribe to. We, we subscribe to it because we always like their, their reports. They're unbiased, right? They're not connected to some sort of big investment bank. And what they, they do is they put analysts, they put ratings. They have analysts for uh, something like 800 companies and they give, they do deep dives and they do evaluation. They do just kind of cash flow model based on what they expect earnings and cash flows to be and growth, et cetera. And they come up with valuations. Now the valuations are not always you know, correct. It's always uh, uh, an educated guess. All valuation models are. Nobody knows exactly what the true value is, but you know, they, they use tried and true consistent methods and, and their methods have shown to have value. But what they did was they, they created another model that was, once again, valuation aware, which basically says if stocks are overvalued, they're going to hold more cash. And when they're undervalued, the dividends and, and, and new savings are going to go into uh, equities. When it's overvalued, it's going to go into cash. Okay, And over 21 years, the always invested model outperformed by about 75 basis points per year. And that's because many of the cash drag. Now, remember cash over the last 21 years hasn't yielded near, nearly as much as it does now. So that may make up for it over time. Um, but after the break, I want to touch on what the end story here is uh, and, and how you should think about, quote unquote, timing the market or not. All right. We're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to answer your questions. So give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process. 
designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Now, for the break, I talked about a very interesting Morningstar study. And what they did was they took two different strategies to invest. One is just simply invested in the Morningstar broad U.S. market index, and the other is valuation-aware, looking at Morningstar's average valuation for the market, whether it's over or undervalued. And what they showed was that the, the valuation signals did have a predictive power, that the median return of the market was higher when the market was undervalued and lower and even negative when viewed as overvalued over the next three years. Okay, so doesn't tell you much about the, you know, the next three months, next year, but the next three years, okay? But here's the issue with using that, is that still, even in modestly overvalued situations, the return on equity, equity markets beats cash. And so, yes, the market was slightly overvalued many times, but it still beat out cash. And so that is the issue here with market timing. The only time it really pays to be a market timer is when equities are egregiously overvalued. Egregiously overvalued. For example, in 2021, they had the market about 15% overvalued. Similar to where it was back in 2005. And so from a timing perspective, it's just extremely difficult to get cute and it doesn't pay off. When I say get cute, meaning, oh, you know, oh, I think the you know, economy is going to get a little weaker. The market could pull back. Uh. <laughs> yes, the market will pull back, but oftentimes – it goes higher before it pulls back. And by the time you get in, it's at a higher price than where you sold at. And that's the difficult part. And the average person doesn't get in when they really should, when things are dire, when things don't look very good. That's the best time to be invested, but people don't have the discipline. The average person doesn't have the discipline to do that. And they miss out on days like today. So over the long term, you know, equities are a return roughly 10%. And 
And yes, when valuations are higher, future returns are likely to be lower, but they're still going to be better than cash typically, especially in when inflation is positive. So the vast majority of the months over the past 21 years, according to Morningstar, the market has been within 10% of fair value, about 80% of the time. And as long as that's the case, it doesn't really make sense to time. Currently, what does Morningstar have? The market has roughly 11% undervalued, undervalued. No, that was before today. But, you know, even after today, you're talking about probably high single digits undervalued. Now, there are pockets of sectors that are egregiously overvalued, and maybe you want to avoid those. But for the most part, most sectors are within general range of valuation. And then it comes down to the right positions, right companies within them that have good long-term earnings track records. And that's why I always say, I'd rather own a good business at a fair value than a poor business at it or, or a, a, a below average business at a cheap value. Okay. Because longer term, the power of that quality business will play out as long as you're not paying way too much. All right. Let's go back to the Vestock Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at 888 chart. Hello, Steve or Justin or Luke. I'm a part of a corporation that offers a cash balance program that we can contribute to. I believe it's pre-tax dollars. We can contribute up to, personally, I can contribute up to $75,000 in pre-tax dollars per year. I am not really familiar with cash balance programs, so I guess my question would be, do you know anything about them, or can you help guide me in making a decision on whether or not I should be investing this money in the cash balance opportunity that they present, or maybe put it somewhere else, like a money market or somewhere where it's a little more liquid, where I can use the, the money more at hand if I needed it. Appreciate all you do. We'll listen to the answer on the podcast. Thank you. Well, I'm familiar with the cash balance plan. And the way to look at this is kind of like a pension plan that you can roll into an IRA. You can, it's portable. Okay. And a cash balance plan is simply is kind of like a 401k or an IRA. There's tax deferred nature to it. It is a tax write-off, whatever you uh, whatever you contribute to it each year. And it's different for everybody. They're kind of complex in, in, in the calculation for how much you can save. But it is a vehicle, especially for business owners. And sometimes that can pass down to the employees. Sounds like it is in this case. Uh, the ability to save a lot more than you you would in a typical 401k or IRA. And so the investments you put in there are typically anything. We manage our, some of our client accounts, our cash balance plans. And you can invest in whatever you want, right, from equities, mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera, pretty much. And so – you have to just think of it that way. It's kind, think of it just kind of like an IRA with a different name with a much higher contribution limit. Now, if you want liquidity and you want safety, then maybe another there's another option there, right? But you have to pay taxes. Anything you don't contribute, you're going to pay taxes on that year. So a lot too does depend on your 
tax bracket? How much are you saving by contributing? So it's another question for your CPA, but there's nothing wrong with them. I think a lot of business owners should explore them. If they have excess savings, they need to put away and tax defer. Um, they do have some setup costs that are much higher than your typical IRA or, or 401k, um, but it can be definitely worth it. So uh, I would consider it if you want to maybe catch up or improve your retirement saving situation. All right. Thanks for the call. Now let's talk about earnings. Earnings. And what's interesting is the analysts have cut their projections for fourth quarter earnings at companies in the S&P 500 by 3.9% in October, more than twice the 10-year average of only 1.8%. But Pfizer and Merck account for half of that reduction in fourth quarter earnings. So if you exclude those two, basically in line with historical averages. So from an earnings perspective, as long as you're not invested in Pfizer or Merck, which obviously if you're invested in the S&P, you're probably you're going to have exposure there. But if you have a diversified mix, we don't own Pfizer or Merck because of these reasons. Haven't I, don't, I can't remember the last time we owned either one of them. But <clears throat> this these are companies that you you know want to avoid. And but the rest of the market from an earnings perspective is doing doing fine. Not great, not terrible, but doing fine. Now, the big question will be, what are interest rates do? And that's why you saw the surge in the markets today. But so far, 81% of S&P 500 companies have unveiled their earnings through last Friday. And, oh, excuse me. We're three quarters of the way through earnings season. 81% of those companies have beat earnings, beat forecast through last Friday. That's higher than the 10-year average of 74%. So, better than historically. And all told, projections for companies that have reported and those that still haven't deliver about 0.6% earnings growth this quarter, year over year, followed by a 12% increase next year. And currently, the SP is trading at about 18.3 times projected forward-looking earnings, down from 19.8 back in July and 21.6 at the end of 2021. So the issues here from an earnings perspective, there's not a whole lot of issues. And this is why I say that everyone's looking out for this recession next year. And I think we will have a recession next year. But that does not mean you have to have a major drawdown in, in, in equities. You could easily go, we could easily continue to go through kind of this choppy period, which we've been in for roughly a year or so. Could we get another year of choppy, choppiness with opportunities on dips and uh, opportunities to sell on rallies? Could, could be the case as well. So from an earnings perspective, we're okay. Economy is kind of slipping into a recession, but a lot of that is, in my mind, priced in. All right, the more caller questions we fit in the podcast, the better your learning experience will be. So let's play another question from the Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin, this is Frank from Los Angeles, a uh, long-time listener of the show. I have a question about shorting stocks. I feel like both Tesla and NVIDIA are currently overvalued and will like to short them. However, I don't have the knowledge to operate in the option market. 
Now, I've come across two single stock ETFs that basically allow investors to short these two stocks. The ticker symbols are TSLQ and NVDS. Just wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on these two and anything I should be aware of before investing in those instruments? Thank you very much, and I'll be listening on the show. Well, you don't need the options market to short stocks. You can just talk to your broker and borrow the shares and short them. Now, as I was saying before about valuations, they do have predictive power over extended period time, periods of time. Call it the next three years. But they don't have very much predictive power over the next three weeks or three months. And so shorting these names simply based on valuation, I think, is a fool's error. Now, typically, when and these are two ETFs that were recently, I guess, when were they launched? Yeah, middle of last year. And obviously, NVDS has done terrible. Started at $245 per share. Now it's at 33 And it's a quarter levered, 1.25 times. So I don't like that little bit of leverage. And the expense ratio is 1.15. Just go short the stock if you really want to. I wouldn't necessarily short either of them. I think there's better opportunities out there. Smaller names that are less followed, that are unprofitable, that are burning. There are still Ponzi names that are out there. We just talked about you know, one earlier in the show. That are much better risk versus rewards to short. Yes, these are the big shiny names that you hear about on CNBC. And are they overvalued? Yes, they are. But they can stay overvalued for, I mean, Tesla's been overvalued for a long time. And it's stayed overvalued for a long time. I rather invest in, uh, short the names that are consistently issuing shares, that are cash flow negative, that are uh, just incinerating investor capital. And those are a lot fewer than few and far between than they were before, right? The WeWorks of the world are, are going bankrupt and, and a, a lot of them are already single digit, right? Stocks, maybe sub $1 on the bank, brink of bankruptcy, but there are still plenty out there that are headed that way. And so I'd be looking at those names, not messing with these weird ETFs or anything like that. All right, from time to time, we also receive Invest Talk questions via web form. Here's one that came in. Alex T says, I'm looking for your thoughts on new Fortress Energy, NFE. I've been bullish on natural gas for a while, wondering if this is a good way to get more exposure to natural gas. All right, this is Zoperates, an integrated gas to power company that develops and constructs energy infrastructure assets. Interesting. New Fortress Energy, small name, about $7 billion market cap. I guess it's a mid-cap. Was losing money up until 2021, and now it's making a good amount of money. Interesting. Its business model spans the entire production delivery chain from natural gas procurement and liquefaction to logistics shipping terminals. Ah, It's invested in floating and liquefied natural gas vessels to that's what's happening here. Okay. So this is basically a play on 
liquefied natural gas. That's what this is a plan. If you expect that to continue, then their business is going to do very well. So this is kind of the arbitrage between the price of natural gas here in the United States. Very low, very cheap because we have abundant amounts of it. And then freezing it and sending it off to areas that have a lot less, like Europe right now, now that they've cut off Russia. And Japan, Japan's another one that imports a lot of natural gas. So that's likely to continue. But what I don't like is the history of the cash flow situation here, which continues to be very negative. Now, maybe that is to produce more of these, uh, but they have a lot of debt. Uh, The technicals are improving. I like that. But to me, this is not a buy and hold. This is more of a trade. And I think the trade is okay for now, but not something that I would be married to. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday, and that's to help you help you achieve your own version of financial freedom when our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin, Luke. I would like to know what characteristics you look for when doing a cover cost strategy. I know that you had mentioned that you have done a cover cost strategy on Buckle in the past. And I was just wondering, like, what do you look for in uh, stocks to do the cover cost strategy on? Thank you for everything that you do, and I look forward to hearing your answer on the uh, podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm from Michigan. Thanks. Bye. Well, it's pretty simple. You do it on good companies, quality businesses. It's not that much different than standard equity investing. It's just you're selling the ability for someone else to buy that stock from you, typically at a higher price, selling out-of-the-money call options. And you get a premium for that. You get extra income and potential uh, hedge on the downside if the stock doesn't go up, at least in the near term. Now, we we roll it every month, so that's another thing is what, how far out do you want to sell those calls? Typically, you want to do that not very far out. Now, it takes some work to do that, right? We're doing that. We're rolling them for clients pretty much every month. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to do it quarterly or, or, or something. But it's really about the underlying equity that you're holding because that's what you're doing. You're, 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 you have to own that. And you want to make sure that the such a decline in that, in that uh, equity is minimal. So a lot of people get too caught up and uh, want to get the most premium for the calls, meaning you're selling high, what call, what's called implied volatility, and that's nice to get a higher premium. But is that the end-all, be-all? No, it's not. 
It's a small part of the equation. I've seen people do that where they're just trying to pick up, you know, uh, high premiums and they ignore the underlying business. They're focused too much on the premiums and not on the quality of the company that they're owning. And that's kind of like picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. So that's most important. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's touch touch on IBM and their change to their 401k. Now, when the firm put out its 401k plan in 1984, it was a big indicator to the future of corporate retirement plans. At the time, it was the world's largest and most prestigious company in 1984. And now the company's making some pretty big waves again. What they're doing is they're replacing the company match. And right now, it matches the first 5% of salary that all employees contribute to their 401ks, dollar for dollar, which is not far off from most employers. But effective on New Year's Day next year, they're going to replace that match with what is called a retirement benefit account in which all employees, whether they contribute to the 401k or not, will receive a 5% of their salary put into a separate account. And it will earn a fixed interest rate, which IBM sets. And it will earn 6% for the next three years, each year. And effectively, this is creating a hybrid plan. You have the defined contribution side, which is the 401k, and it's a defined benefit side. Now, it's a bit different than your typical defined benefit, which is typically a pension plan, which leaves the company on the hook for the pension. And it typically is not portable, those pension plans. But this is. The retirement benefit account can be moved. It can be rolled into another 401k or employer-sponsored plan or an IRA if the person moves. So this is pretty interesting. Now, it's obviously going to 6% is decent, but it's lower than long-term return for equities. So overall, it's going to lower the risk for employees, but it likely will overall lower the returns as well. It will improve the participation rate, but 97% of IBM employees already participate in the plan. So that's not really moving the needle very much. It's sharing the risk a little bit where employees aren't completely on the hook for making their decisions anymore. So kind of a, a, a safety bucket, which is kind of the way a lot of people invest anyway. They have this kind of safety bucket and then they take risk with the rest. So it'll be interesting to see if this is adopted by more companies. All right, that about does it. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our new, about our free podcast downloads you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. And Steve is coming back next week. So be on the lookout for him. Independent thinking, share success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. 
because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Thank you.